today on Showtime College Football, my week five reactions and my updated top 10. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone, to Showtime College Football. I'm your host, Chase Davidson, and I'm going to break down some week five action. I got some big takeaways and my new top 10. Let's get right into it. So let's go over my new top 10 after week five. Okay. And number one, I got Texas. And I got them for a few reasons. I have Texas because Texas is finally, for the first time in a long time, not playing down to the level of their opponent. That's the curse that has bitten Texas in the Big 12 for a long time. That no matter who they're playing, they'll play up or down um, to the skill level of that opponent. And a lot of that just comes from lack of discipline and uh, a lack of strength in the trenches, you could say. That's why I got number one. I like Texas right now. They blew out Kansas, who may have been a little overrated. We'll see how that plays out. Um, their best win being pretty much BYU, and that's it. Um, so 4-1 Kansas, number 24 goes down to Texas. Texas, I mean, it was 13-7 at half, but then Texas ran away with it. So um, Kansas was playing without Jalen Daniels. So, you know, uh, it wasn't the best ranked team you could have played. It's kind of like Iowa last week, literally the same thing. Uh, that Penn State beat, where it was like they put a beat down on put a beat down on them, but it was like not, you know, not your normal ranked team. I, you know, at the start of the season, some of these are like this. Anyways, forty to fourteen, that score. I have Texas at one. Number two, I have Michigan. Michigan is kind of back. I finally, we finally saw Michigan like actually like throw down on somebody, not do the whole uh, boa constrictor thing that they usually do, because usually it's more of this slow run game. All right, let's just choke them out. You know, uh, this Rutgers team, let's let's just beat them in the second half. Let's keep it close in the first half, beat them, beat them in the second half. Well, Michigan came out ready to kill somebody in Nebraska, and uh, they beat them 45-7. to seven. I liked that game a lot. Roman Wilson had that amazing catch. Go watch that catch uh, from J.J. McCarthy. And... I really liked what Michigan looked like. I, they finally passed the eye test for me, and they have the depth and the talent and all that stuff to go deep into the season. This is why they're my number two. I know they haven't played anybody. Nebraska's the best team they've played, um, and Nebraska's two and three. That being said, I have Michigan at my number two. Number three, I have Washington. They struggled a little bit this week at Arizona. Now, it wasn't like they had a close game. The final score was 31-24. Um it wasn't that close. It was one of those games where it was they they went up, I think it was maybe 31 10. Um, let me, yeah. It might have been 31 10. Maybe it was 24 10, but they they had a decent lead. Now for Washington this year, that's pretty low. 31 is incredibly low. Michael Michael Penix still went 30 for 40 for 360 yards. So Michael Penix still my Heisman number one as of now. Um, that being said, Washington won 31, 24, Washington kind of got sluggish at the end. Arizona did score that last touchdown with a minute left. Little, little scary for Washington. Their first close game, you could say, um, but you know, that happens on the road in, um, conference games on the road. Uh, I heard, uh, Joel Klatt talk about this, uh, earlier and 
conference games on the road are especially tricky because these teams have played you a lot. They know what kind of offense you run. They've been prepared. They've been playing you for years. And, uh, you know, you, you have some benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give Washington the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, I don't for some teams, but I do for Washington this week. Just how I feel. They're at my number three. Number four, I have Ohio State. That win against Notre Dame is looking a little bit better after Notre Dame beat Duke. We'll talk about that game later. Um, but Ohio State is still standing as my number four. I really like what I'm watching still um, at Ohio State. Um, they had a bye week this week, didn't play, but they moved up just because Notre Dame looked better. And Penn State looked a little sluggish against uh, Northwestern, who was my number five. Sorry, Northwestern is not my number five, in case you were wondering. Penn State is my number five. Um but yeah, that's my top five right there. So you got Texas, Michigan, Washington, um, Ohio State. I almost said Arizona State. Wow. Uh, Ohio State and Penn State. Now, as we go on, just remember, I am still sticking to this. Still, there is not one team that has um, separated themselves from the crowd. It is still a eight team, nine team. Some teams fell away this week a little bit. Um Utah and even you could even say USC kind of faded a little bit um, this week, but um, as of right now, it's still it's still a nine nine team season right now. There is not one team that has really separated themselves. There are some teams that are a little higher, like it's it's fluid, guys. It's all fluid right now. We've reached playoff parity, like we've talked about. Um, yeah, that's my top five. And number six. I still have Florida State. Florida State has still has a very impressive resume. Um, however, the LSU win is not looking quite as good, even though they did blow them out um, by quite a bit. Still, um, the wins against Clemson and Florida State or and um, LSU are looking good, but not the the number five LSU we started we saw at the start of the season. So, that being said, Florida State's sitting at six. They don't really play anybody else for the rest of the year. Well. I guess they do now. Actually, correct me. Or uh, I'm, I'm correcting myself on that one, um, because now Duke and Miami are fairly relevant. I believe they play both of those guys, so those would be actually good games. Um, at the start of the year, well, I overlooked those games. Um, so yeah, there's four states to got some teams, but then again, if you beat Duke and Miami at this point, if you were to play them this week, it'd be like uh, okay, that's like beating LSU, maybe a little better, but still, Florida State's got to work really hard to um show that they are they have the resume of a top team at the end of the year. Right now they have a good resume because they've played a few hard teams. Um but let's say we come into the end of the year. Florida State pretty much has to be undefeated at this point with the schedule they have, unless Duke and or Miami is really, really good, or Florida, which I don't think so. Two losses already. But that's pretty much what they play on their schedule. They don't play in they don't play North Carolina. They don't play uh Notre Dame. They don't play um I don't think they play Louisville. Um, and so, you know, Florida state's gonna have to work kind of hard if, if they're a one loss team and let's say they drop a game, I still love Florida state, but let's say they drop a game, um, even to an easier, let's, let's say they, they drop the pit game. Um, they, that could keep them out of the playoff just because the strength of schedule, I think at the end of the year is not going to look as strong for Florida state as it will for, let's say Oregon or Washington. Um, obviously depending on the losses, all hypotheticals here. Don't like hypothetical. Don't like hypotheticals too much, but it is a little fun. Um, but yeah, Florida State's got to work hard to stay at number six. Honestly, they got to start blowing out teams. They can't do this Boston College stuff. All right, number seven. I have 
Oregon. Notice I haven't said Georgia yet. I have Oregon. Oregon is my number seven team in the country. Um, Oregon has looked so, so good um, this season. Now, I know that the Colorado loss or Colorado win um, looked really good at the start. And then we're just like, as I've marinated on it, I thought about it, even with the USC win or loss. I mean, Colorado kind of had some positives kind of out of that game, the USC loss this week. Um, the Colorado win does not look quite as good as it did just because I did some more thinking. I'm like, I don't know. They've beaten like Nebraska, who's just not very good. TCU lost to West Virginia. So the TCU win for Colorado does not look very good. So Colorado just um, still better than expected. This is not hate on Colorado. I'm just saying Oregon's win does not look quite as good as it used to. That being said, I still think Oregon is really, really good. And it showed even against a team like Stanford um, where just the power came out. And I just like them. I like them right now. At number eight, I have Georgia. Number eight, I got UGA the two-time defending national champs. Now, a lot of people say, wow, dude, you are an absolute clown for having UGA 8. And I completely understand. I I think it's completely logical to think I'm clowning to have Georgia at my 8th spot. Here's my thing about Georgia right now. I am not someone, if you guys know me, you follow me on Instagram, you look at my poll, you listen to my podcast. I don't take a ton of last year and put it into this year. There is value in that early in the season. Guys, we're, we, we've had five weeks of football. Five weeks. We're coming into week six. Georgia has not looked like a top five team to me. They've looked decent enough to stay in my top ten. I have them at eight for a reason. But I'm one of those people that I look at it game by game and take it what it is. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that come into it. I have to consider everything and everyone has different priorities. That's why people have different rankings. That's why you have a ranking system is because everyone has different opinions. And basically all it comes down to is there are facts. And then there are also, uh, opinions on what things you prioritize the most in a ranking. Do you prioritize strength of schedule more? Do you prioritize the score? Do you prioritize the talent? Do you prioritize last season success? And Everyone has their own unique set of qualifications for a team to be the best. Me, I tend to lean more towards a power ranking momentum style. Um, what I've seen on the field. And I'm not saying it's perfect. That's just, that's just what I think um, of teams. So there's obviously things to consider. Georgia is very talented as a team. Um, Georgia has the history. They have the coaching. They haven't lost a game in 600 days. I think it's like 570 days. Um, and that was the SEC championship against Alabama a long time ago. Um, so you still have to give them credit. There's a reason they're number eight. If Let's say if we started with no rankings this year. Let's say I my memory fleeted me. Let's say I completely forgot anything about Georgia previous years. I just saw the talent. I just saw the coaching. I just saw all these things I just said. I'd probably put them around eight to ten. I think for me right now, like the way they've played on the field, eight is like, I'm kind of still like, oh, well, they're the two-time national champs. That's that's what I'm thinking. Now, some people value last year, well, they're the two-time national champs, so we should default to them at one. That's fine. 
I don't really hate on people for putting Georgia at one. I don't really question people for doing that. I question people for a lot of other things, but not that one. I know it's a hot take um, for me to have Georgia that low. Um, however, some of you might agree with me. What I've seen on the field did not look good. So we'll talk about that game in a little bit against Auburn. Uh, came up with that win, but it was a little, little scary for the Bulldogs. Number nine, I actually have Notre Dame. Notre Dame beating Duke for me was big for both teams. Now, this is one of those games. It's a rare case. Happens every every so often where both teams look good in a game. Where both teams, like my stock rises um, for both teams in a game. And it kind of did actually with Notre Dame against Ohio State as well. Notre Dame has done this in a loss, just like Duke did for me. So, um, Notre Dame for me hopped over USC to number nine. I really like what Notre Dame did. They showed a lot of grit, and Duke looks really good. That's actually what made it for me. Notre Dame was kind of just grinding it out, winning about 13-0, and then Duke started playing some really nice football against Notre Dame's really good defense. So I think both teams look really good in that game. Um, Notre Dame had more penalties. Duke had almost zero penalties. And, you know, that's something to consider. Um and Notre Dame still looks really good, though, despite the penalties. Sorry. Um, I really like Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame could make the playoff because of their schedule and because they, you know, if they went out, obviously they don't have a conference championship, but if they went out with that kind of schedule, they could be in the playoff. They are in my, like, that that second tier. Um, you know, on my Instagram today I posted, um, they're in that second tier right now of the playoff, um, like, potential teams. You have your... Um, national championship contender teams right now i have michigan texas washington and then you have your tier two which is like your penn state ohio state georgia oregon um notre dame is in there and that's where i got them at number nine number 10 i have usc usc dropped a little bit for me i've been high and low at some points at us uh, some points of the season with usc it's hard to tell right now. I still have not played a quality opponent except for Colorado. We're seeing how quality Colorado is. Definitely better than what they've played. Um, best offense they've played. Um, and right now, USC's defense is looking a little scary. Looking a little bit scary for me. I do think it's better than last year. But how much better? Because we all saw what happened last year. The offense was amazing. And I say the offense is even better than last year. USC is so good at throwing and running the football. It's so amazing that it's it's still really, really fun to watch. I still like USC. Um, despite not liking USC growing up very much, I think because they were really good when I was a kid, um, I actually really like USC. I would love to see USC succeed. However, there are some major, major flaws on USC as of now. Um a team that put up a hundred yards against Oregon just put up, uh, I don't even know how many yards against USC, probably a lot. Um, but oh, probably over 500 yards on USC and a 48, 41 victory. Um, so, Oh, there's some, there's some flashbacks PTSD for a lot of USC fans right now. Um, however, Caleb Williams, had himself a game. He still did his thing. USC being number 10 and anything that happens this season is pretty much, we've all agreed that Caleb Williams is amazing. And 
it's hard for me not to put that not to put him as my number one in the Heisman poll. Um, I think the only reason right now I'm saying Penix is because I kind of want somebody different, but I mean, they're right there. Those two in my book, because Caleb Williams might just win it again. 400, 400 yards, six TDs. He threw his first interception. So it was a little scary. Like I said, coming into this game, I was a, obviously a lot of people were worried about USC's defense. The Arizona state game last week against USC was not looking the best. Maybe it was, but you're like, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe it's a fluke. Two road games back to back is hard in the conference against Colorado's a quality team. Um, that's hard to do, but 48, 41, this game was 34, 14 and a half. And at one point it was 41 to 14. This game was over. And then Colorado sat up in their chair and said, well, we're going to try and win this game with our injured. You can say pretty injured roster, fairly injured roster. They were able to pull, pull together and reel off 27 second half points against USC pretty easily. Half the reason this game ended like this, just a touchdown win and not a tie or overtime or even Colorado winning is actually Colorado having a lot of poor time management because um, Colorado finally kind of stopped USC. Caleb Williams and USC couldn't score that much in the second half. They scored 14 in the third. And then uh, from that point on, from that, uh, from that like seven minute mark in the third, I believe they didn't score the rest of the game and they were actively trying to score. So a lot of problems for USC kind of coming back to haunt them. Lincoln Riley, is it schematic? Is it talent? Um, I don't know. Lincoln Riley, this is his MO. And this is his thing. Oklahoma, USC, d- double the offense, half the defense. I mean, it's it's the Rockets, the Houston Rockets of uh, 2018, 2017. You know, you just try and outscore the opponent without playing hardly any defense. Um, now I know I do know that uh, I believe USC was out without was without one of their best defenders. Uh, I think who was it? Cobb? No. Anyways, so you do have some of that excuse, but you can't let Colorado score forty-one on you if you're trying to make a playoff. This was not a playoff team performance. It was from Caleb alone, and you know the offense. But the defense like that, I mean, you, you're you going to get absolutely, like, brutally murdered in the Pac-12 against those offenses. I mean, Michael Penix and Bo Nix are throwing up 100 on your heads each. Like, oh, my gosh. If if Colorado can do that in the second half, uh, yeah, there's going to be a problem because, yeah, there's going to be a problem. So USC's got to get together. That's that's my takeaway from this game is that um, this is kind of a nightmare game for USC fans because is it all coming back from last year? Last year you were eleven and one, one loss to Utah in a very high scoring game, head of the Pac twelve championship, and your defense could not stop Utah and Cam Rising for the life of you. And that's why you didn't go to the playoff. You were one. You were even just a mid defense away from going to the playoff. I don't know if you would have won. Maybe if you played TCU, you could have had a chance. Or even maybe Michigan you could have outscored them um, in the playoff. But, yeah, that's uh, that's scary for USC. All right, let's go to our next game. Let's kind of go back down 
in the order of my top 10. So that's my top 10, by the way. Um, here's my six through 10 is Florida State, Oregon, Georgia, Notre Dame, USC. And right outside of that, I have Oklahoma and Bama at 11 and 12. Oklahoma just jumped a lot for me, not because of a performance individually. I'm kind of just finally starting to believe in Oklahoma so far. Anyways, that's my top 10. Remember, the top 10 is pretty dang fluid right now. There are some that are kind of floating towards the top and some that are floating towards or sinking towards the bottom, but very, very little, very little change um, in the top 10. Some moving around, but very minimal differences. All right. Notre Dame Duke was a crazy game. This game was so good. Okay. Late night game, especially for these guys on the East Coast. I mean, this game was finishing up at like 1 a.m., I think. Anyways, Notre Dame has college game day for the second straight week. Notre Dame is on its way to play three straight ranked games Ohio State, Duke, and now next week they play Louisville. I believe they get Louisville at home, luckily. Um, yeah, but I believe they get Louisville at home. However, I'll I'll check that as I'm talking. Notre Dame went up 13-0 in this game. Notre Dame was looking fine. Duke was looking a little sluggish, could not score. Notre Dame's defense is really good, especially against Duke's very good offense. I loved what Notre Dame was doing on the defensive side of the ball the entire game. Duke, however, got some, you could probably call it more of a divine, just like a, we got to win this game kind of thing. Just kind of a drive at the end of that game. And they scored 14 points. I don't know if it was all in the fourth quarter. I'm not even sure. Um, oh, no, it was it was third and then fourth. But Duke goes up 14-13 in this game with five, five minutes left. Notre Dame is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's play some ball. Let's play some ball. This game goes back and forth. Sam Hartman showed off that he is a Heisman candidate. Right now, probably top five Heisman candidate for a lot of people. Definitely top 10. Definitely a playmaker in my book and a winner kind of player where he's like, he, he's not showing off like Penix or Caleb Williams kind of stats, but he's a guy who's going to, you know, go out there and try to win the game with all of his heart. I love the way he plays. He's also got a great offensive line, which helps a lot, but he is a good, good quarterback. He also looks like a freaking Viking. I got a man crush on that dude. That's a good looking. That's a very like solid, good looking dude. I like him. He's good. Anyways, um, less on that. Um, Notre Dame, fourth and sixteen from the Duke forty. If you guys haven't seen this game, go watch the highlights. It's one of the big ones. There's a few highlights you need to watch. This is one of them. Fourth and sixteen. Notre Dame is down one. They're out of field goal range. There is nobody open. Sam Hartman is literally running for his life in the pocket. He's trying to, cause he's more of a, he's not really just a scrambler. Sam Hartman does, does not run too much, a little bit, but runs out there. There's no one open. He has an open field, is able to sprint for 16 yards, gets the first down. Notre Dame is able to drive, Notre Dame is able to drive down and score um, in this game and pull it off 21 14. Get the two point conversion. This game was awesome. However, in this game, I still really, really like Duke. Duke showed a lot of heart, and they can play with Notre Dame, who I think is very good. Now, if I don't think if you don't think Notre Dame is very good, then Duke isn't very good. I'm basing a lot of it off of this game. I think Duke is very for real. Um, now, our boy um, 
Oh, I guess forget his first name. Leonard. Riley Leonard? Riley Leonard. Um, pretty sure that's his first name. I can't remember. Um, he didn't have the best game of his life in this game. He, however, he had a few huge, huge running plays that really kept the you'd say kept the freaking offense going um for Duke. So he's he's also just kind of a dog playmaker. And this is one of those where like I have a feeling. Yeah, you know, I, I just look at Duke and I'm like, dang, like these guys can win a close game. Duke is a close game kind of team that could win against a lot of the teams on their schedule. They didn't do it against Notre Dame, obviously, but they could they could pull something off against a lot of teams. All right. Our next game. This one was very good game. We got Jordan Hare Stadium. Georgia Bulldogs coming to town in Auburn, Alabama. This is a big game for the Tigers. They win a lot of games at home. That's a hard place to play. I'm I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again. I said this to Chase on last week's podcast. If this game was a 5-30 game kickoff, Auburn would have won this game. If this was a night game, Auburn would have won. There's that much more fire. Oh, luckily, Georgia got the 1.30 p.m. kickoff for this one, which I immediately was – I was so disheartened. I mean, if this was a night game, this would have been crazy, crazy. Anyways, 1.30 p.m. kickoff. Here's my takeaway from this game. Here's my rant about Georgia again, part two. There's two different rants I have. Two different rants I have. Sorry, my camera just spazzed out for some reason. This is not the same Georgia team we've seen the past – I don't know, five years. Not the same. Still good. Like I've said before, they're still number eight in my poll. Remember that. They're still a top 10 team in my book right now, but they're not the same. And I think anybody who watched that, even a Georgia fan, you can't deny that this is not quite as potent of a team defensively and offensively. I'd say almost especially defensively, which is your MO. That's your thing is that, all right, Despite, you know, we have a new quarterback, Carson Beck, like, yeah, we're still getting used to things, you know. We don't have quite the talent. We still have Brock Bowers, but, like, the offense is going to be okay. Like, it'll struggle a little bit, but the defense will make up for it. Because at Georgia, the defense is what wins the games. All those games last year, all those games in the last few years, when you watch Georgia, the defense is, they're the play, it's a playoff defense and a good offense. Stetson Bennett was a great quarterback. You, you, there's a lot of better quarterbacks than Stetson Bennett. There's a lot of better players that you could put on offense other than the ones they've had, maybe except for Brock Bowers. But they're, they're, they're not the best players of their position in a lot of ways on offense. Defense, they were. And Georgia's defense just got run through by Auburn, who is like, not, from what I've seen, not the best offense. Like, good. They have a good rushing attack with those. They have a dual quarterback rushing attack to do a wildcat, and then they bring in. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, good QB, though. Heck of a dog. But still, anyways, Auburn is not... I'd say that's probably one of the weakest offenses you'll face this year. In the... Uh, it's a... Oh, it's Thorn. I think it's Peyton Thorn. One of the worst offenses you'll face in the SEC, probably. And Georgia right now can't really stop the run. Um, and especially, I'm, I'm saying compared to what we've seen, 
And and uh, I guessed exactly right with Sned. I said, I'm going to take Georgia. But this game, I, I am betting money on this. I actually didn't bet money on it. But I am betting my money on this, that this game is either tied or like a one-score game at half. Like even less, like I'm saying a three-score game at half. What was the score at half? 10-10. It was 10-10. This is going to be Georgia every single week this year, even against even against a lot of the you know weaker teams. I, I guarantee you, even if they win the game, this is this is this isn't even really a slide on them because I mean, plenty of good teams have close games at half. This is not like a Georgia. A Georgia does it a lot. They do it more than most, but like, it's not the worst thing to be a close game at half. I mean, watch Oregon was thirteen six at Stanford, and um, you know. Texas was 13-7 against Kansas. I mean, it happens. It happens. Georgia does it every single week, pretty much. There's hardly a game where they don't do this. Um, even if, even with those championship teams, they did this a bunch last year, even. So that's kind of their thing. So I wasn't. I was like, okay, 10-10. Like that's exactly what I thought. Auburn's playing good. Like okay, like I'll I'll watch this game as part of my routine. I will watch the game, and Auburn goes up 17-10. And uh, it's getting a little hairy there for Georgia. It's getting really hairy. Georgia finally reclaims the lead. We reclaims the lead with like 12 minutes to go in this game. And their offense is struggling. They basically have to put up. They basically have to lean on this entire offense on Brock Bowers. You guys, you've probably seen the memes already. There's a lot of memes about it just because Brock Bowers is insane. No doubting. Probably the best tight end in the country. Actually, probably is the best tight end in the country, no doubt. Very, very solid performance from Brock Bowers. 157 yards, one touchdown. And he basically, especially that last drive where Georgia scored, he carried the entire team on their backs to beat Auburn. So here's a stat for you guys. Georgia's rushing defense, rushing defense, has been top five or higher, well, in the top five, if not one, the last five years, every single year. At the end of the year, the all has together, Georgia's rushing defense is top five every single time. Five weeks have gone by this season. You want to know where they're at right now? This is this is proof that Georgia is not quite the same. They could still go to the playoff. There, there's still very much a case for Georgia to go to the playoff schedule, and they're still really good. Still the best team in the SEC right now. No, no, uh, no doubt about that right now. But do you know where they're at right now? Their rushing defense is 63rd in the country. 63rd. That's not the same Georgia we've seen before. Well, wait, have they been playing like, oh, they've been playing good rushing teams? Nope. Not really. Not really. You know, if you want to call UAB a good rushing team, you can. If you want to call Auburn, it's probably the best rushing team, best rushing team they've played. Sure, but it's not looking good right now on the defensive side. They're still five and zero. I have them at number eight for these reasons. That's my rant on Georgia. Um, prove me wrong. This is how college football is. Prove me wrong. Uh, show up against your next terrible opponent. Actually, JK, I think actually Georgia plays Kentucky this week. So that'd be a good game. I'm still 
I'm not super um I make sure not to be biased towards the SEC. That doesn't mean I'm I'm so anti that I'm the other side where I hate the SEC. Just saying that I have Kentucky only at 25. I think 20 for them to shoot up to 20 after beating an overrated, very overrated Florida team is really high. Some pretty bad SEC bias going on this year's rankings just because the SEC is not as good as it's been. Normally in a normal year, uh, I think that would be probably good with the SEC being as good as it usually is. I think Kentucky jumping that high um, would be fine. But this year with Florida being – what? Yes, he beat a very overrated Florida team by like 20. And now they have them at number 20. It was a good win. I have them at 25. They're 5-0. and But I don't think Kentucky's very good. However, this will be Georgia's definitely the hardest team they've played. Now, luckily, they play this one at home, one of their four home games. Or four – or sorry, they only have four away games, so it's definitely a home game. Anyways, I digress. Up next, we got Utah. At Oregon State. This game was, uh, you could call it good. Good for Oregon State fans. Utah falls in this game 7-21. to um, Up in Corvallis, Oregon. Big win for the Beavs. Probably one of the biggest wins in Beaver football history, honestly. Uh, with that Oregon game last year. I mean, beating number 10 Utah at home is pretty epic for these guys. I love Oregon State. America's team. One of them, well, one of America's teams. So what do we make of this? Well, my main takeaway is that Utah is broken really, really badly. It's not a shade. It's just just the facts. Utah is so broken. And I, I feel for you guys. I feel very bad for Utah fans right now because you've been able to survive, which is like, all right, we beat Florida. We beat UCLA. Oh, my gosh, we beat Baylor. Like just because you're just inching by without Cam rising and you're and Keith or Queeth or whatever his name is, and so many other players on your roster, and then you just lost uh one of your best edge rushers or um linebacker, Fano this week. I mean, you're just sighing relief, and then finally it caught up and you lost one to a very good Oregon State team, granted. Only 21 to 7, which that 7 was kind of towards the end of the game. Really was 21 0 for a lot of this game. And Oregon State kind of put it away. Anyways, do I think Oregon State is better for this? Or, or is it just Utah was so broken? Yes, I think Oregon State is better for this. I have Oregon, they, they jumped up to 15 in my rankings. Not crazy high. Um, but I think Oregon State's really good. And they showed it. I mean, they won 21 7. They beat Utah's defense, which is a really, really good defense, top five rushing defense in the country. And they had quite a bit of rushing yards and quite a bit of passing yards all around. Oregon State's a very well-balanced team. That's why I like them. That's why it's one of those teams where it's like, okay, well, they not, might not be the best, the most talented. And like, yeah, they only beat a really broken Utah 21-7 to and they've lost to Washington State. But like, they're the type of team that if someone can stop their pass game, they can run the ball. If someone stops their run game, they can pass the ball really well. You know, very good. Wouldn't say anything's elite, anything crazy, but they can get the job done in a lot of situations. I don't know if that offense could keep up with Oregon or Washington. I don't know. That's I don't think so at this point. But 
Oregon State's a good team. Imagine they win the Pac-12. That'd be so lit. Or Washington State. That'd be that'd be crazy. Anyways, however, Utah. Uh, it's gonna be a tough one if if Cam still does not come back. I mean, you're gonna start dropping more of these games because you just can't. Well, now you have one quarterback. If you guys don't know, Utah's so Utah's three quarterbacks. It's kind of the tale of three quarterbacks. First one's Cam Rising, been out the whole season. What a dog! Like good, amazing quarterback that I love and respect. Second, you had your boy, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Nate Johnson is the guy who's played for most of the season right now. He's played. He started in the last two or three games. Started against UCLA. Started against. Did not start against Baylor. I don't think he started against uh, Weber State. Started against Weber State and against uh, UCLA, and then against Oregon State here. And sadly, Utah can't really do anything on offense. It's just so hard. Nate Johnson, 8 for 23, 100 yards, one touchdown. And I just, I feel for you guys. It's really hard to be a Utah fan right now just because your team is supposed to be so good and just the injuries and just the, it's been tough. It's been tough. My heart goes out to you guys. I can't remember your other quarterback's name. Um, gosh, starts with an S. Anyways, there's three quarterbacks. Nate Johnson's this other guy, more of a scrambler, kind of running quarterback. He hasn't really been too good either. Oh, Bryson Barnes. That's not that's Bryson Barnes. Just got the name. Bryson Barnes is the third quarterback. And Bryson Barnes leaves the game against Oregon State. They sub him in. Or he comes in the game for Oregon State. Or for oh my gosh, guys, I cannot talk. He comes in the game for Utah. Come, comes in for Nate Johnson because Nate Johnson is just sucking. And Bryson Barnes gets sacked, hits so hard that he goes to the hospital. Now you're back to your boy Nate Johnson. Also, prayers out to to Bryson on a good recovery. Um, no one deserves that. You know, it wasn't a dirty hit or anything, just really hard hit. And uh, you know, I I, mean, I think he's gonna be okay, but you know. Hopefully, you know, you never want that. Nate Johnson comes back in and just, it's just the way the game played out. It's just Utah just struggling, pleading for someone to play quarterback for them. It's been rough. It's been rough. If Utah stays this broken, they, they're going to really struggle in the, uh, in the Pac-12, just scoring on offense. That's the problem is if you can barely score against a team like you know, Oregon State has a good defense, but, I mean, it's not insane. You only scored seven against UCLA's defense because, you know, that one of them was pick six. And UCLA's defense is not that much to write home about. You only scored 13 on Baylor's defense, which uh, UCF and Texas both put up 30-plus against, just barely. And so it's just like the defense is so good, but the offense is so bad. It's literally the year, the inverse of USC, you're the actual inverse of USC. So you've won some games, but just it's really hard to hope for the, for the best in the rest of the season. Last and final game. I wanted to go in depth about Ole Miss LSU, my game of the week. Here's my takeaway from this game. Ole Miss is good. LSU is bad. Ole Miss show that they can win a huge game 
Now they were at home, and it was zero defense was shown in the entire game, basically. Final score, 55-49 to in a SEC shootout, which we don't see too often. Crazy shootout down south. This game was epic. Back and forth, tons of lead changes. This one game was crazy. I mean, in the first half, it was already 42 to 17. Wait, no, sorry. I just read that like so wrong. It was 28, um, 31 28 for Ole Miss at halftime. <laughs> this is lit. This game was awesome. Um, LSU, you're now three and two. And quickly falling in a lot of rankings, justifiably. I called this out. They actually played better than I thought they would, even losing. LSU's too talented to lose two games. There's another, there's more flaws. LSU has so much talent in that program with Jalen Daniels or Jaden Daniels. There's so much things going right for LSU always, just powerhouse SEC school, that when you lose like this to Ole Miss and Florida State, there's something more wrong, and it could be the curse of Brian Kelly. I don't even know enough about Brian Kelly or about his his schematics to even say, like, well, it's his coaching. But it. you look at Notre Dame, what he did at Notre Dame. He could not beat a top-10 opponent to save his life. Or, frankly, ranked opponents, they really struggled. I mean, you, Notre Dame would could not win big games under Brian Kelly. Very rarely did they win the big game. In the sense of the game, their the biggest game of their season, they would never win, or the ranked games, the top ten games, the top twenty games. LSU so far, the only big game you won was Bama at home, which was good, but like that may be the anomaly because I mean you lost of last year, you lost all the big games you played in, you lost against you got killed against Tennessee, beat against Florida State, um to. Uh, I mean, obviously, they dropped some other stupid games. They lost to Texas A&M and stuff like that. They lost to Georgia in the SEC Championship. And this year, two biggest games they've lost, 0-2, Ole Miss and Florida State. LSU fans, my heart goes out to you because despite an amazing performance from Jane Daniels, still couldn't pull off the W, even with a lead late in the game. This game was wild. So... LSU filled a 24 in my rankings, which I still feel is high. A two-loss team that really hasn't... The Mississippi State win looked good, but Mississippi State's not that good. So, LSU, I think, is kind of just hanging around because they're in the SEC and because they're LSU. Brand. LSU has not looked very good. Secondary has gotten torched in a lot of, a lot of times. Has gotten torched. Now, Ole Miss is good. Now, I'm not saying like Ole Miss is really, really good. I'm just saying Ole Miss is solid. What a win for Ole Miss. They've beaten Tulane. They've beaten LSU. One of the only teams with two ranked wins. Not the best ranked wins, granted, uh, because now I have LSU at 24. Tulane's kind of like in the 30s, like 32. Tulane's a good squad. But both those games you won very closely. You lost Alabama in a close one. You gave them, you gave them your best shot, and you were you were close in this game. But Ole Miss, I have at, uh, I think I have them at 15. Yeah, I think they're at 15. So, I, I mean, I, I like them a lot. I like Ole Miss. Maybe I have them 14. 
This is a big win for Ole Miss. I'm excited for what they can prove. They have a hard enough schedule. It's one of those teams where they have a hard enough schedule. I feel like I can put them kind of high and let, let stuff happen to them. Because there are some teams like Florida State where the rest of the schedule is not very good. And so I, re- I resist putting them high because they're not going to move. I don't know if anybody else thinks that way. That could be like something weird about my my thinking. But like if someone's going to have the work cut out for them, I'll give them better, the benefit of the, of the doubt now and later. You know, just strength of schedule is important. So a team like Ole Miss, I don't hesitate too much putting them at 13 because if I put them there, you know, they're going to face some good teams and prove that they're 13 pretty dang soon. If I if I put in a team like I don't know, let's say someone who's in a very weak spot with their schedule, um, X team, you know, even like Michigan or Ohio State, who don't play anybody for a long time here, you gotta kind of wait a little bit. You're like, ah, I don't know if I want to just put them at number one because they're gonna stay there forever. They haven't really proven themselves. I don't think they will prove themselves for a while. Ole Miss is a good squad. I like them a lot. Don't worry. I'm excited to see what they can do in the SEC West. It's a little weak this year. A little weak. We'll see if Bama can poof things up. But, uh, yeah, what a good week of football. Had some great games. I personally went to a Friday night game, BYU versus Cincinnati, which was awesome. Um, really liking what BYU is doing this week, this year. Um, I think we have a chance to, you know, be a sleeper in the Big 12. I'm not saying sleeper for the championship, really. Just kind of like a... Yeah, I mean, BYU could win some big games. You know, maybe we beat Texas Tech or, you know, have a good season. BYU going to a bowl game, going to seven or eight wins is looking much more likely than it was at the start of the season. BYU in the Vegas odds was picked to have three and a half and then up to four and a half. And BYU's four and one right now. So, you know, just you love to see it. You love to see your team be underrated and then play pretty good. Nothing crazy, but I like it. Anyways. Guys, I'm excited to talk to you again on Friday. I will have a new setup on Friday. I will have a new setup, new microphone. I've been renting this from BYU for free. This microphone, it's a good microphone, but I rent all my stuff from BYU because I'm poor and am in college. So be sure to follow me on the socials. Help me to keep going. Um, Showtime CFB on Instagram, Showtime CFB pod on Twitter, and obviously YouTube. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast. Let's get it. Week six is a good week. I'm excited. Chase, signing off from Showtime College Football.